Headline, Ottawa Citizen, Running Could Kill You. Men's Fitness, Harder, Stronger, Faster, Running Can Kill You. Are you scared, Katie? Are you scared? No. Dun, dun, dun. I'm Nigel Fish. And I'm Katie Marshall, and this is the Sci Runner Podcast, your science-based look at all things running. We can't be talking about deaths and running without mentioning fidipides. Fidipides. Uh, seriously, half of all the research papers we looked at opened up with mentioning old fidipides. Yeah, like it was starting to get on my nerves. I'd be reading this paper about a sudden death while running and like all these full-on scientific research papers would have to talk about it for some reason. Yeah, every single one. So you can basically skip the intro of, of so many of these research papers because they talk about fidipides. Uh, so in case you don't know, fidipides is this courier for which uh, Marathon sort of get their name in that he allegedly ran from the battlefield of Marathon to Athens uh, to announce the Greek victory over Persia, famously saying, we have won. And then, as a wonderfully bad clip from a show on Discovery says, uh, but the one thing everyone agrees on, he collapsed and died, uh, which, except he didn't. Uh, <laughs> Damn it, science! You're supposed to be better than really this. annoys. Yeah, like uh, mm. anyway. Uh, what? Yeah, what annoys me there, of course, is, is the is the is the one thing everything everyone agrees on when everyone mostly agrees that he didn't die. Uh, and I mean, the funny thing is that it's likely there was a cur- courier named uh, Phidippides that, and he actually ran something like 200 miles in a few days. And so didn't die. way more than a marathon, like almost 10 times, well, just a, like maybe eight times the length of a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there's no mention of such a death from the historian Herodotus. Who was the only uh, historian who is recording like right at the same time as these events would have occurred. Yeah. It's really just a romantic invention attributable to some poetry that was written 100 years later. So it makes for some dramatic flair, but. Uh... It does. It does. <laughs> much, much, like, much like some of the media sensationalism. People are dropping dead while running everywhere. It's happening all the time. People die running. <laughs> oh my God. There's dying. bodies in the streets. Bodies in the streets. Uh, right. So back back in 2015, uh, there was this media blitz of running is bad for you and it's going to kill you. And, you know, I had actually just finished a run. So sort of when this sort of started happening again, uh, I had just finished a run when I got a text message from a non-running friend. Uh, with a link to one of those with a v- headline of running can kill or something like that. And, you know, I've had a few of the internet fights with mostly non-runners that seem to think running is somehow this dangerous thing, you know, that, that you're going to die or something like that. So, you know, before we take a look at where all that sensationalism comes from, uh, I think it's first maybe important to ask the science how likely <laughs> you are to actually to drop dead from running. Uh, so people definitely do die while running. Um, but to really put that in context, I think we also need to understand that running long distances is a really popular pastime. Uh, between 2000 and 2010, the number of people in the United States who completed either a half marathon or a full marathon grew from under 1 million to over 2 million. At the same time, uh, there's been a growing amount of media attention on those rare cases when people do drop and die while running a race. So to address these concerns, uh, researchers established the, the Race-Associated Cardiac Arrest Event Registry, RACER. RACER, which is a backronym, obviously. Yeah, I, it's <sighs> kind of just a little too convenient, I think. Yeah. 
so uh, they a study using this registry identified 59 cardiac arrests during races between 2000 and 2010 in the United States. Mm-hmm. 40 of those were in marathons and 19 in half marathons for a total rate of one per 184,000 participants. Okay, which is pretty rare from the sounds of it. Yeah, that's not a lot of uh, that's not a lot of risk, really. Yeah. Um, some of the things that were associated with the incidence of of having a cardiac arrest while running a race include running a marathon rather than a half marathon. That's about four times the risk, and being male. Uh, so fifty one out of the fifty nine cardiac arrests yeah. were in men. It's always. Yeah, that's uh, that's female privilege. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of our the, very few, few. Uh, uh, things where we have a little bit of an advantage. I think. Uh, yeah, it sucks being a man for for longevity. Yeah, ladies, uh, we I guess we just live a little slower. Uh, of the fifty nine events, forty one of the people died. Uh, factors that increased the chance of dying included being younger. So actually, the non survivors were thirty nine, while the survivors were forty nine. And uh, that's probably because in younger um, um, younger people who have cardiac arrest, it's due to an underlying um, cardiac abnormality rather than right. something like um, having atherosclerosis or um, or coronary artery disease. And these and we know those things are a little more survivable. Uh, running a marathon rather than a half marathon made you, made it more likely you were going to die, and being male actually made it more likely you were both to have a cardiac arrest and if you did to die of it. Uh, Yeah, and (laughs) unfortunate. Yeah, so uh, researchers were able to get the cause of death for some of them, finding the most common cause was due to uh, something called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. That was fifteen out of the twenty-three deaths for which we had clinical data. Um, Most of these cases also had additional heart problems, such as um, myocarditis, so that's inflammation of the of the heart muscle, obstructive coronary artery disease, or other structural um, anomalies. And, okay. and there was other reasons people yeah. died. The hyponatremia, drinking too much water. Getting hit by a car, maybe. <laughs> um, well, it was during a, a race. I guess it's during not. a race, yeah, yeah. So hopefully not. Uh, so, okay. So the big problem you mentioned there was the, what's called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. cardiomyopathy. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Yeah. So what is that? Uh, so it's a condition in which the heart muscle is thickened for, for no clear reason. Uh, it generally doesn't cause much in the way of symptoms until a sudden cardiac arrest. It's just a genetic disease. It's found in all ethnic groups. And the current estimates are between about 02 and 0.5% of all people have this. Okay, so not common. Not too common anyway. No. Um, as a result, the heart muscle is stiffened. Uh, we have some uh, outflow um, from the heart is reduced. And you can actually have arrhythmias that, that rise up because of that stiffening. Um, that can lead to cardiac arrest during exercise. Right. So there's basically this structural problem uh, with the heart in some way that, uh, that where exercise causes uh, some car- a cardiac event or whatever. Right. And so the, the younger um, runners are more likely to be the ones that die because of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Yeah. Um, but, you know. So this is, this, is, this is why I think I don't have cardiac arrest. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I've made it this far. You made it this far. <laughs> yeah. You're too young. Well, the average age of uh uh, death uh, was 39, so okay. I don't uh, want to make any uh, assumptions uh, here, but... Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so, you, you probably don't, but, yeah. uh, you know, chances are you're not in that 0.2 to 0.5%. Yeah. Um, but keep in mind, even if you work out the math, uh, with that many people in the population having the issue, so remember I said one in 184,000 people had cardiac arrest during a long-distance race. Sure. 
So uh, let's keep this in mind. If we work out the math, uh, we have about 0.2 to 0.5% of the population having this issue. So remember I said one in 184,000 um, uh, runners had cardiac arrest during a long-distance race. Right. If we take that 184,000 runners and work out 0.5% of them, then that would make 9,200 of those runners who likely had car hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Now, only one in 104,000 um, actually had cardiac arrest. So that meant of those 9,200 runners who had hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, only one had cardiac arrest. Right. So, okay. So I mean, that was even, a lot of numbers, but uh, even if it's, you it's, have not, this, a, it's yeah. not a death sentence no. to have hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Right. Even if you have this, your yeah. chances of having cardiac arrest during a, a marathon is still one in 9,200. Okay. So does that make sense? Or more, more, more or less. Yes. Um, okay. So another study found that older runners that died during marathons were like likely had atherosclerotic heart disease, which is really common in the general population. And then the race added an additional stress. So what happens is that plaque in the arteries can rupture doing, due to the stress of racing, right. and that plaque can lead to a heart attack. And that's what generally happens during a heart attack. Yeah. Though it's not a death sentence that he would have atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis, which is just hard, hardened arteries from what I'm saying. Right. That's actually what it means, I guess. Yes. Okay. So, but you are saying, perhaps, that running a marathon might kill me. Yeah, but it's, it's always more complicated than than you first think. There's a few other factors at play here. Uh, one uh, thing to keep in mind is that the study I mentioned actually found that the death rate due to cardiac arrest in, in a marathon was 71%, where your risk generally, if you have a heart attack and you're not in the hospital, your death the uh, risk of death due to cardiac arrest is 92%. So you're actually better off having a heart attack during a race than anywhere else. Right. Because, of course, there's medics everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's, there's ambulances on call. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. It's it's better, of course. Yeah. So if you have a heart attack at the office, you know, or at, the, at your home, you know, you got to call 911. There's this massive, like, response time. But, yeah. Yeah, having, having a problem at a marathon is, is, is better. Which, of course, is kind of funny because we were actually – we did a half marathon in Tainan, which was in Taiwan, and it was really hot. Yeah, and it was about 31, 32 degrees when we started. It was so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and I totally got a terrible time because I basically had estimated my time for a totally different heat. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, during that, I, I remember seeing... Uh, bike medics on patrol. They ride up and down, and then they had an ambulance. And, and I also understood that about eighty people actually from this mar half marathon went to ended up in hospital, I mostly actually, from heat stroke. I, I actually saw a girl go down like right ahead of me, and yeah, so, you know, which so, is scary. So did I. Well, I mean, I yeah. didn't, I didn't even know. I, I don't know. I just, I was running, and this guy in front of me just kind of stopped and sat down, which was kind of an unusual thing uh, for me to see. And this actually makes me wonder. So I didn't stop and help the guy. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, you know, because I'm like, well, he looked fine. It wasn't like he passed out and hit his head or anything. He was he was just sitting down. Um, but it it does. I I I feel like that's not an uncommon dilemma for a runner to face when they yeah. see someone go from running to sitting down or lying down, and you're like, well, should I stop? Because of course you're you're racing, right? I mean, you want to get a good time or whatever. And yeah, I um, mean, and, and there are bike medics there, and I think the guy probably was picked up in you know 30 seconds later, but. Uh, and I, again, he looked fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I think that was okay. I mean, it's always a tricky thing. I My feeling is to let the medical professionals handle the situation. Exactly, yeah. Um, unless there's something, you. like, really clear that I can, like, really help with, I, I worry of that I just be in the way more. Yeah. But also in that race, uh, I thought this was kind of funny, was we had this traffic problem. Yeah, it was the first race I've ever run where they actually made a stop. Yeah, um, the runner stop. Yeah. Which is Yeah, weird. for traffic to go by. I was actually <sighs> – there was – I won't lie. There was a, an intersection about a kilometer from the finish line. And this girl and I, we looked at each other and, and her English wasn't so great. And my Mandarin is worse. And we just kind of – we had this moment of perfect runner unity where we were just like, Nope, screw this. And we ran the light because yeah. there was no way we were stopping a yeah. kilometer from the end of a half marathon. Yeah. And usually, usually marathons. So marathons, they block all this traffic. Right. And from my understanding, this, there's an actually kind of funny study about this. Yeah. So, um, something you might, people might not have sort of thought about is that actually by stopping all this traffic, you can actually reduce the risk of traffic-related deaths because dying by being hit by a car is a surprisingly common way to go. Yeah. Have you ever been... Well, or dying in a car accident. Yeah, or dying in a car accident either way. So a 2007 study compared the number of runners who died in a marathon compared to the number of motor vehicle accident deaths that were prevented due to the road closures between 1975 and 2004 in 26 different marathons across the United States. And they concluded the two r- rates of death... Um, actually canceled each other out. So by having um, increased risk of death due to cardiac arrest during races, um, you could actually cancel out that the number of people who died just from the effect of all that traffic being shut down. Right. I, I, I think I, I, we read the study together, and I remember it's not very statistically significant, though. It's uh, dubious, anyway. Uh, no, 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 no. No? Um, so... If you took the mean, there was actually 1.8 prevented car accident deaths for every single sudden cardiac arrest. But the 95% confidence interval is 0.8 to 3.8. So what that means, right, is not that – it means that the true – that there – you can't um, throw out the conclusion that the two are are, um, one-to-one, right? Right. So it's not that it's not statistically significant. It's just that – um, if we were to repeat this study a hundred times, ninety-five of those times, the number of car accident deaths prevented uh, to sudden cardiac um, arrests that happened would be somewhere between zero point eight and three point eight. That's okay. all. Okay. Yeah. So it is. It is. It's an interesting study, anyways. Yeah. And, uh, and you can still conclude the two basically cancel each other out. Yeah. Uh, neat. Uh, now, I, I would also put this with the caveat that the study is not totally conclusive because it actually purposely excludes marathons that occur outside big cities. Mm-hmm. So you would expect then that the rate of traffic um, deaths isn't as important. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does kind of show us nicely how there's so many other factors other than running that could kill yeah. you. Yeah, actually, you know, it would be interesting to see on the Vancouver Sun Run in particular because mm-hmm. that's the biggest 10K. There's 50,000 50,000 people? I think so. Something like that. 50,000 people. And it, those people are not doing other activities like driving around. And I, I think there, it would be interesting to see. Yeah. That, I mean, with race. a 10K. So with yeah, a lot of. A short race, yeah. So a lot of these studies um, that have looked at cardiac events during races have actually found it's in the last mile. That yeah. of a marathon that there's a problem and even like the you know the shorter distance there's less likely to be cardiac events so right. a 10k it's pretty rare yeah um right but it's gonna have an 
because it goes for so long, that 10K actually, for stopping traffic, I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the effect on traffic would be bigger. So it actually wouldn't yeah. be a one-to-one, right? Because less right. people are going to die because it's a short race, but they actually <laughs> stop traffic for a really this long time. This is morbid. <laughs> this is, this is kind of strange. Uh, so I guess the next question, though, is, is running bad for you? Well, Dennis Leary seems to think so. Because you're always telling us, well, you know, if you quit smoking now, every cigarette takes three minutes off your life. If you quit now, you can live an extra 10 years. If you quit now, you can live an extra 20 years. If you, hey, I got two words for you, okay? Jim Fix. Remember Jim Fix, the big famous jogging guy? Jogged 15 miles a day, did a jogging book, did a jogging video, and dropped out of a massive heart attack. When? When he was fucking jogging, that's when! What do you want to bet it was two smokers who found the body the next morning and went, hey, that's Jim Fix, isn't it? Wow, what a fucking tragedy. Come on, let's go buy some bots. <laughs> So that was Dennis Leary back in 1992 making a joke about Jim Fix, who was this pretty decently famous runner who wrote a best-selling book uh, in 1977 called The Complete Book of Running, and from what I've read is somewhat attributed for really popularizing the sport of running in the United States. In the book and in talk shows back then, he uh, discussed many of the benefits of exercise and also the positive effects on life expectancy. So he was kind of one of the health and exercise gurus of the time. Yeah, and sort of one of the yeah first, I guess, in, in, in the running field. Uh, of course, uh, Fix died in 1984 at the age of 52 from a heart attack after having just gone for his daily run. <laughs> running will kill you. Running will kill you. Uh, of course, there was an autopsy, and the autopsy revealed that the word I can never sp- say, atherosc- atherosclerosis, atherosclerosis <laughs> yeah. uh, which so he had complete mm. blockage in one coronary artery and an 80% blockage in another. Although I read multiple reports of this and everybody used slightly different numbers. So mm. I don't know what the actual numbers were, but, and also he had signs of previous heart attacks. It's important to also note that Fix's father had died of a heart attack at 43 after having a previous one at 35. And Fix had only begun running at 36, prior to which he was both overweight and a heavy smoker. So he's a bit of a Steve Way. I don't know if people know who that is, but <laughs> anyway. Uh, You're running uh, God. Hey, God, that's a little strong. Oh, okay. Uh, anyways, but uh, so yeah, so the unfortunate thing here is uh, the public response to this event is that, hey, and you know, I need to see it with Dennis Leary here, is that, hey, running is dangerous. Or you might as well smoke and drink and be fat, because even though it's pretty clear that uh, you know, Fix was genetically predisposed and wasn't healthy his whole life. You know, people still make this mistake of post hoc ergo propter hoc. Which, That's a you know, lot of a lot of hawks, but I'm assuming <laughs> you the, mean the, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Sorry, you can say yeah. Oh, I was going to say the plural of anecdote is not data. Uh, right. Yeah. So this is an anecdote, and and yeah, and so people say, ah, he went for a run, and then he dropped dead. So it's the running that killed him, not the unhealthy lifestyle for half of his life, and. Um, genetic predisposition. Um, and of course, those were the biggest, by far the biggest factors in his death. In fact, also of note, Fix was known to also believe that so long as he ran and didn't smoke and he could eat whatever he wanted. So of course, back then he was probably eating lots of hamburgers and fries, probably including lots of trans fats. This was before trans fats were banned. Yeah, I mean, for Dennis Leary and other popular sentiments, it's much easier to joke about the running because, hey, it makes it easier to justify your own inaction. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and to contrast... Confirmation bias much? Yeah, total confirmation bias. Uh, and to contrast, uh, another early fitness icon in America was Jack Lalanne. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, I think so. Um, who did diet... Who, who took his diet seriously, uh, different than Fix, and he died at the age of 96. So, anyways. Isn't running supposed to be good for you? 
Yeah, so there are lots and lots and lots of studies showing the positive relationship between exercise and um, and survival. Exercise is one of the top ways to prevent and manage things like atherosclerosis, hypertension, diabetes, all of which include the leading causes of death worldwide. Runners are generally much less likely to die of cardiovascular disease than other and then non-runners. Uh, one study of 55,000 people found that even people who run less than 10 kilometers a week have half the chance of dying of cardiovascular disease than non-runners. There's been studies that have looked just at runners um, and found that those who run marathons versus those that don't have half the risk of needing diabetes medications, about 85% of the risk of needing cholesterol or blood um, pressure-lowering drugs. And similarly, if you take, um, just sort of plot out um, increased running intensity in this group, running more than 64 kilometers a week was associated with half the rate of use of these drugs. That's that's a lot of kilometers. Yeah. So it, it seems like a lot of studies are saying, hey, the more exercise you get, the better. Uh, now, of course, with these studies, there's always the possibility that it's just correlation and not, ca- not causation. Maybe people are just more likely to run if they're already healthier. So if you're already obese or already have heart problems, it, you know, you may not be as likely to start running as, as if you're um, slim and, and you're fine. So another way to look at this is actually by comparing the risks of sudden cardiovascular deaths in student athletes versus the rest of the population. So presumably things like obesity that tend to develop over time, there wouldn't be as a big effect of this sort of sedentary lifestyle preventing running. Um, and so a recent paper looked at a single county in Minnesota with 1.2 million residents, and they compared the risk of sudden cardiac death between the ages of 14 and 23, so this is as a young person, between residents who had been student athletes versus those that had not, uh, between the years 2000 and 2014. And they actually found the rate of sudden cardiac death in non-athletes was actually eight times higher than in the athletes. So, okay. yeah. so, so what this is telling us is that we get a lot of media attention on these athletes that die mid-sport, right? right? Yeah. Although I'm kind of curious, how do they? So, one of the things you said was that sudden mm. cardiac death tends to happen when people are exercising, mm. but these are not athletes, so they're just doing casual exercise and then dying. Right? Not even that. It, people might keel over while they're at home. They might uh, not just wake up. Right. The thing is, is that it doesn't make it. You know, the headline. Um, person found um, at home after having a cardiac arrest is not as exciting a headline as um, athlete that we all kind of want to hate anyway for being so healthy and annoying died (laughs) while doing the thing that makes him annoying. Or the star football athlete dies of a heart attack and oh my goodness, is your your child at risk? I love those those (laughs) cheesy like American like style. Right. Dun, dun, dun. Your child may die tomorrow. Yes. Um, (laughs) But you know, any way we slice it, physical activity is good for you and the vast majority of people don't get enough. Uh, Depending what country you look at, the stats are a little bit different. But in Canada, only about 15% of Canadians get as much um, exercise as they should. The Canadian Physical Activity Guidelines state um, to achieve health benefits, adults aged 18 to 64 should accumulate at least 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous intensity aerobic physical activity per week in bouts of 10 minutes or more. That's two and a half hours. Uh, More physical activity actually provides greater health benefits is what it says in the statement. Right. So what you're saying is we should be running right now. Yeah, screw this podcast recording. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's let's go. Okay.
Back to media sensationalism. Dun, dun, dun. There were a ton of really sensationalist headlines back in 2014, 2015. And you know, let me just read a selection of these because I find them absolutely hilarious. I think I opened with this one. The running farther, faster, and longer can kill you. Uh, this one, science, scientists find light jogging is the key to longevity. But this, this one had a, a subtitle. Or actually, I think it was in the first paragraph. Hmm. But some scientists are now suggesting that even as runners work to trim seconds off their best times, they might also be shaving years off their lives. Dun, dun, which, dun. Which makes me sound like, like, oh, I'm trying to beat my PR by 10 seconds. So I took a decade off my life. <laughs> right? Like, is it like a second to year ratio? There? Yeah. Uh, you know, light jogging may be the key to long life, study finds. Uh, I like this one. This was Washington Post, I think, or mm. Washington something. Uh, one running shoe in the grave. <laughs> like, what, what does that even mean? Uh, and I like this one. Fast running is as deadly as sitting on couch. Scientists find. So what is all the sensationalism? Where is this coming from? Where was this one coming so, from? So this is one of these cases where I kind of feel a little bit bad for the media because um, it was actually based on a set of studies that came out by a well-respected cardiologist uh, named James O'Keefe. Uh, and he's published several studies on longevity and running and suggests that there's a U-shaped relationship between how much running you do and longevity. Uh, more running, the idea is more running is good for you up to a point, and then it actually becomes much more dangerous. Which, which you know, I could see maybe that being a, a possibility. Yeah, and I think, you know, this sort of made sort of sense to a lot of people. Uh, the most famous of these studies is the Copenhagen uh, City Heart Study that uh, prospectively identified 5,000 people. That's 1,000 joggers, 4,000 non-joggers in 2001 and followed them until 2013. And they found that strenuous joggers, so that's joggers that ran um, 11 and a quarter kilometers per hour for four plus hours a week, had double the risk of dying relative to sedentary people. That's people that don't do any jogging at all. Okay, that sounds pretty bad. Yeah, it, it sounds really bad. And this is what the headlines were, were based off right, of. Right, right. And and the media, they just, you know, they report. They just run with it. Yeah. I mean, they're not scientists, I guess, so. And it makes a great headline. It does. Um, but something to keep in mind, of those 1,000 joggers, only 36 of them um, actually qualified as strenuous. And in the strenuous group, we had two deaths. So we're comparing two deaths versus 120 deaths in the sedentary group. Right. Uh, yeah, so that sounds, yeah, I remember we're, while we were reading this and I found one joke on a, on a, on a uh, forum there that said, uh, you know, one more death would have been a public health emergency <laughs> yeah. to get people to stop running and one less would have been telling everyone to run a lot more. So, you know, this this is how sensitive the results are and I think it's a good demonstration of kind of how meaningless it is if your results are going to change that much. Right. So in this group, um, the confidence intervals were huge. They overlapped um, the, the risk of sedentary people completely. Um, and the other thing we have to keep in mind is that uh, the adjusted statistics controlled for the incidence of diabetes, which is kind of a bit of a circular argument because running can prevent diabetes. Yeah. So you're basically artificially removing some of the benefits of running and saying, well, then running isn't good for you. Well, if we remove all the benefits of running, <laughs> right. that doesn't yeah. make any sense. It does, yeah, that does not make sense. Uh, in, 
in the unadjusted statistics, we actually um, we had an overlap with the rate of death for the light joggers who had the lowest rate of death. The other thing to keep in mind is that men actually have a much higher rate of death from cardiovascular disease than women. And while they only made up half of the t- uh, they made up half of the total joggers, they still made up more than eighty percent of the strenuous joggers. So we have this big confound in that the group that's most likely to have cardiovascular risk were also overrepresented in the strenuous jogging group. Uh, so if you suddenly control for all the things that running helps, like BMI, cholesterol, diabetes, you might actually be producing a control group that's unusually healthy for genetic reasons or, or anything else, which is like great for those people. But for us average Joes, running is a way to health. And the U-shape is going to just totally disappear. So actually, one scientist, um, this, these results have been really controversial in the scientific yeah, community. Well, yeah, there was also, I mean, there was lots of, there was an explosion of criticism around this time from Runner's World and, uh, you know, some other. Well, yeah, not just the popular of... media who are a little maybe more, so popular media like Runner's World is a little more scientifically um, literate, I think, than, than right, popular then, media than the HuffPo. Then... Yeah, the HuffPo or, or, or some of these other – I think I, I, the really funny one was like on Business Insider or something. Yeah. Like, so that was one that was just like, running will kill you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the things I love to do is read some of the literature during times of um, of controversy like this. And there were some fantastic, like, snarky burns, like, published in the journals that, that ran these. Uh, one scientist wrote into um, the journal that published the study saying, I read with amazement the recent editorial by Drs. O'Keefe and Levy entitled Run for Your Life at a Comfortable Speed and Not Too Far. In that, the authors conclude running too fast, too far, and for too many years may speed one's prog- progress towards the finish line of life. Yeah, they actually wrote this in a scientific paper. <laughs> this sounds so sensational for uh, for uh, uh, academic, academic dry journal. Yeah. yeah, and so the, the person who wrote in, you know, criticizing this says, yet the authors provide no evidence that is published in a peer-reviewed journal supporting this sweeping claim. Put simply, this editorial represents a selective interpretation of the available data at the best. Yeah. That, like, burn, man. Yeah. Academic burn. And so a lot of this, too, was didn't come out of, like, a lot of this, uh, the mainstream journalism or whatever was actually referring to this editorial right. that this doctor wrote, not, not the actual not scientific the actual paper. Study. So, yeah. Yeah. So even after all this, uh, there's been some recent softening um, by O'Keefe and some of the other uh, scientists that uh, have been published with him, uh, publishing with him. And uh, now with more evidence, they're actually looking at some of the other papers that don't have the same um, – show the same things that theirs did. And they actually now conclude that most runners would be smart to run no more than five to six days a week and no more than five hours total per week. A year ago, these same authors were recommending only two to three days a week of running for a total of one to two hours. So they've eased up on their claims substantially. Right. So no more than five hours a week. Uh, I mean, five hours a week would be uh, – how much do I run? I think I run like three, three and a half. So yeah, even, I mean, even these recommendations, which may not even be valid. Mm. Um, are going to be – that's a lot more than your average recreational yeah, runner yeah. for sure. And I, Yeah, and I think this is – I mean, the kind of unfortunate thing about this and the unfortunate thing about these headlines is that your average amateur runner isn't going anywhere even near these numbers. Right. Um, you know, they're running maybe 10 miles a week or something like this. So, you know, and, and, and a lot of other people aren't running at all. So I feel like – there's this big negative effect from this kind of sensationalism where 
For sure. You know, it's, running is good for your life expectancy, and this is kind of possibly scaring people away yeah. from increasing their running. And on top of that, these effects don't even seem to really hold up when you really look at them. Um, other studies that have involved far more runners, so Paul Williams has been running a study for 50, 000, on 50,000 runners and walkers. So that's over 10 times the number of people in that Copenhagen study. Um, and they found that the higher the amount of physical exercise, the lower the risk of cardiovascular disease and diabetes and high uh, cholesterol. Right. So what you're saying is perhaps I should be running as much as possible for as long as possible. Yes. You should be running right now. I don't know what you're doing sitting in this booth. Like, that yeah. makes no sense. No, but, I mean, is it totally bunk? Is there absolutely nothing to possible damage? Right. So it's – there have been reports, um, you know, physiological and anatomical rep- reports that there is some potential damage that happens as a result of running long distances. Um, one study of 108 marathon runners, uh, that's – they define that as people who've run at least five marathons. So these are people that run a lot. Um, compare them to 200 age match controls. They found the marathon runners were leaner, had lower blood pressure and resting heart rate, but they still had higher levels of coronary artery calcification and and other markers of heart damage than age match controls. Even still, they only found heart damage in 12% of the runners, while age match controls were not studied. Um, an editorial in the in the same issue of that journal noted that recruitment for the study may have actually selected for runners who were already worried about their heart health. More than 50% of these marathon runners were former smokers, which is a really high rate, actually, um, compared to the general population. Right. So it's a bit hard to untangle cause and effect here. Yeah, I'm a little bit yeah. worried now all of a sudden because I just remembered I'm a former smoker. <laughs> <laughs> I only smoked for, ooh, six years. Okay. So yeah, I not mean, too much, but. A lot of, yeah. <laughs> I, but, you know, the problem with these kinds of studies, right, yeah. is if they put out an advertisement looking for, you know, um, volunteers who run marathons t- for a heart health study, yeah. who's more likely to volunteer? Like uh, women who are, you know, not too worried versus men who are sm- former smokers, maybe were obese at one point. Like, this yeah. is a problem. Yeah. Or people who are just kind of hypochondriacs, like I am, who are pretty stressed all the time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's also been studies um, on non-elite runners in the Boston Marathon. A study of 60 of them uh, found elevated markers of heart damage, so this is like troponin levels, immediately following a marathon, um, suggesting that heart damage had taken place. Uh, the interesting thing is that these elevated markers were only found in people who trained 72 kilometers a week or less. And the reason I find that interesting is it suggests these, you know, there isn't like a long-term effect of, you know, these runners that run 72 kilometers a week or more. That's more than a marathon, you know, in total distance. Yeah. And they're not seeing any long-term like damage in them. Uh, there's okay. been several other studies with mixed results. Some have replicated this finding. Others, there was one actually I found really interesting on Ironman triathlons. So they swim a really long way. They bike a couple hundred kilometers and then they run a marathon. And they didn't find those same markers being elevated. So, you know. Right. Uh, sim- yeah. yeah. One study I think that really put the nail in this coffin. Oh, bad, bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't uh, even. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, that was that was worse than my gravity pun. Actually, I think so. That was that was awful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they examined amateurs after participating in the Berlin Marathon, and they found a transient change in markers of heart problems, but no effect on heart function, and everything went back to baseline. 
Right. So, so, so not only not are these, too much yeah, these, these markers are inconsistently found after running. Uh, and, and while we see these markers are associated with heart damage in non-runners with heart problems, the clinical significance in an already healthy population remains unknown. Um, and a recent review actually concludes because most of these data involve healthy individuals with no underlying cardiovascular disease, it seems likely that exercise induced, um, troponin release is a benign process. Okay. Um, and finally, uh, there's a study that looked at heart arrhythmias and was actually measuring heart function during and after a marathon in healthy young runners. They found the prevalence of arrhythmias was actually decreased during and after a marathon relative to baseline. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> right. So, okay. So, so for the most part, it sounds like running is good for you. I don't think there's m- too much debate on that. Yeah. Um, ex- any exercise at all is going to be good for you. It increases your lifespan, reduces your risk of diabetes, makes you thinner. And more pe- most people don't get near enough. Well, it makes you thinner if you don't eat too much. <laughs> okay. You, can, you, can, you can't outrun the floor. That's another episode, That's yes. That's another episode. Uh, do some people die during marathons? Yes. Uh, it's unclear whether they're actually – um, this actually elevates a risk of death. These people had underlying structural abnormalities or atherosclerosis already. And the clinical significance of any kind of heart damage um, marker, like following extreme exercise, is really unclear. And long-distance athletes live longer than sedentary or even moderately active people. So it doesn't appear that these markers mean anything in this population. So I have three recommendations. Uh, one, what is the right amount of exercise for maximizing lifespan, if, if that's your goal? Uh, Alex Hutchison, who's a writer for Runner's World that I like a lot, his answer to this question is, I have no idea. Though my answer for 99.99% of people would be more than you're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've again, as I mentioned, like I run a lot compared to the rest of my non-running cohort, mm. right? And... I and today look at me and they're like, wow you're running so much and I'm not even close to these so-called danger zones. Yes. So me. Yeah. Uh, the second recommendation I would make is to remember uh, Jim Fix. Lots of running is not going to fix a bad diet. So um, eat you know a healthy diet full of lots of veggies and lean meats and and you know healthy oils. That's a good thing. Uh, third, if you're feeling weird, talk to your doctor and make sure you uh, get your, your blood pressure checked. Uh, some hypertrophic cardiomyopathy cases and, and some atherosclerosis cases can have symptoms like heartburn, tightness in the chest and arms. Uh, if you're feeling any of these things, it's not a bad idea to go talk to your doctor. Even if running did decrease your lifespan, which it won't, but entertain me here, even if it took a few years off the end of your life, I think I would quote, quote, George Sheen here, cardiologist and famous runner, and say, don't be concerned if running or exercise will add years to your life. Be concerned with adding life to your years. George Sheen died in 1993, just four days before his 75th birthday. Even though we do have a free sound studio provided to us by Vancouver Public Library, we have had a few expenses, and supporting us helps to devote more time to bringing you the latest of running science. So if you want to help support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash scirunner. For all our show notes and sources for all the science we talked about, visit our website at scirunner.com and feel free to send us your science of running questions or tweet us at scirunner. You can also follow us on Facebook. This has been the Scirunner podcast, your source for all things science and running.